Cody Sailors. David Blacklock here with the Smarter Charter Bebo Show. This podcast is part of the Smarter Charter group of guides related to bear boat chartering in the Caribbean and elsewhere. There are separate titles related to monohulls, catamarans and a new power cat version. Find them online at your favorite bookseller. Or visit the website at smartercharterguides.com. That's guide with an S at the end. Or find us on Facebook. And thank you for listening. Hi everybody and welcome to episode 111 of the Smarter Charter Bearboat Show. Today we're going to meet... James Wheat, a man from uh, Brisbane, Australia, who took a year out of life and sailed around the world. Well, not all the way, most of the way, more than half anyway. And he's going to tell us all about it. He flew to Greece, he bought a bear boat out of a charter fleet, a 14-year-old Bavaria, and that boat took him safely around the world. And here he is, back home, back in his life, telling us all about it. It's a two-parter. There'll be a follow-up episode in a couple of weeks, so look out for that. Hi, James. Thanks for joining us today. Um, not sure where to begin, so I'll just jump right in by asking if uh, this was a long time in the planning. Been planning it for decades, probably uh, since primary school. Got an interest in, in, in the idea of solo yachting. Read some books about it, and it always seemed like a very cool idea. And that always stuck with me, the idea of crossing a large ocean alone. Uh, and then I sort of grew up and uh, things became a bit more perhaps sophisticated. I just thought I just wanted to cross oceans. I'd done enough of the coastal stuff. There was always a plan. There was always a dream there. Um, and it just gradually over decades came to fruition. Where did you buy your boat? Well, I bought it in Greece. You, had you um, planned that? Was that part of the, yeah. the idea? Well, uh, the initial idea was to go to just the Caribbean, to um, the Virgin Islands, yep. perhaps, and pick up an ex-charter yacht uh, cheaply and sail from there uh, back to Australia. Uh, but then along came some terrible hurricanes that, <laughs> according to the photographs I looked at, showed the boat that I was going to buy piled up on top of another 100 boats that had been obliterated. And... Um, I figured there's nothing there's nothing left there. The, the stock has gone. So I'm sure there will not be bargains. And some people jokingly said, well, why don't you buy one that's been smashed to bits and very cheaply and then put it back together again? And I thought, no, thank you. No, that's, no. that's, not, that's for other people to do that sort of thing. Mm. Um, and then I just uh, casually suggested to Ingrid, well, why don't I just, my wife Ingrid, why don't we just go to Greece? So uh, the... the the plan had gone from being uh, in the Virgin Islands uh, to somewhere in the Mediterranean where I could pick up a cheap ex-charter boat. Right. So that's why uh, Greece. It's a perfect place to, to begin, you know, for, for mm, reasons right. of Absolutely. mythology and... Um, Everything, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, you've got all the islands there, the, the industries there, a lot of the technicians are there, uh, a lot of the know-how is there. Uh, it's easy, pleasant um, sailing area. Um, and a really good starting point. Yeah. Right. And you you decided on a Bavaria? That was your yeah. choice? Well, for decades I've been looking at the um, online sales sites, um, Yacht World, yes. and sites like that. And uh, just, it was going, it had to be one of those big 
mass-produced right. boats that come out of uh, the Bavaria factory or the Beneteau factory or the Genoa factory or one of those uh, because I really wanted to tap into the economies of scale uh, right. that have really taken over in the boat building industry and also um, the idea of these uh, these ex-charter boats being quite um, cheap. So that yeah. immediately uh, restricts the choice. And um, this, this boat was cheap and it ticked all the boxes. I had a particularly good deal uh, from, um, from the guy who sold it to me, and that's why I jumped on it. Right. Also, uh, 40 um, feet is ideal for... Um, for short-handed sailing, I think. I right. think that's the line. Once you go above that, uh, things get too heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, and under that, things are a bit uncomfortable down below. Right. Yeah, if it's too big, it's a long walk along that deck and a, and a big <laughs> it's a storm. Yeah. Well, it's more... The, the, the image I have in my mind is you get your hand caught in that gen, um, Genoa sheet yes. around the winch. <laughs> a boat over 40 feet, uh, you're going to have a hand that's no longer usable uh, for the rest of the voyage. Under 40 feet, you might still be able to use that hand. <laughs> okay. And the same with an anchor chain, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, a 40-foot um, boat, if your anchor winch breaks, yes. you can still, you've still got the chance of getting it up on your own by hand. Right. could take a while, but you can do it. Above 40 feet, you can't. Yeah, yeah. So what was your itinerary? You, you, you flew to Greece, you bought the boat, did you spend, you spent a little bit of time... Uh, holidaying on your new boat, correct? With, yes. Uh, now, I didn't buy the boat until I saw it, yes. until I was on it. Yeah. I, I struck up a, a good um, uh, a friendship or good correspondence with the vendor, and I said from the outset, I'm not going to pay any money whatsoever. I'm not going to pay any deposit until I've actually touched this boat and smelted and seen right. that it actually yeah. exists. Yeah. And he was very understanding with that. Uh, so we had a lot of contracts going back and forth, and I was spending money on life raft uh, upgrades and uh, surveyors, and uh, he could see that I was you know, investing money in the whole project. Uh, and then we carefully set up a bank transaction process, uh, which enabled us to uh, transfer all the money in one in, in one push of a button on a smartphone which is actually quite tricky that required quite a bit of preparation and uh, so I arrived and um, and saw the boat and there it was and I'd already seen a professional survey uh, so that's when I can push the button and, and the entire amount went across yeah. so I hadn't actually bought it before I went there yeah. um, but uh, as good as and then did you have any work that you had to do on it or that you chose to do or? no the boat was in uh, excellent condition it had been owned by two Dutch uh, KLM pilots in a, in a row. <laughs> yeah, um, perfect. And they looked after it meticulously, uh-huh. and it spent about four or five months of the year out of the water on okay. the hard stand in Greece. Right. You know, you keep a boat out of the salt water, yeah. things last a lot longer. Yeah. Um, so she was in immaculate condition. She had all the basic um, features. I didn't need to spend any money uh, in, in terms of maintenance or restoration or anything like that. She was 14 years old. Yeah. And uh, it was just the extra gear that was going to be needed for, um, for, for living long term on the boat and for crossing oceans. Uh, so I had quite a big shopping list there. So what manifest for new equipment? Was it basically electronics or any...? Yes, it was mostly uh, electronics. It was uh, 
I really can't run them off the top of my head with so many of them. Um, but we wanted a, a chart plotter. Right. And, of course, there are extra solar panels, generators, uh, new batteries, much bigger uh, battery bank, all the uh, regulators that are required for that sort of thing, yeah. a radar, uh, AIS transmission, uh, a larger bimini. The bimini was old and too small. In a four-stay, so you can okay. have a staysail um, and you can be uh, sailing downwind with the two, yeah. the two jibs and no main. And, of course, I did have to get uh, brand new rigging. The standing rigging had to be replaced. The insurance companies want it replaced after 10 years. Right. Um, so that's, uh, that's most of the list that I can think of. Extra bilge pumps is another one. Mm. Uh, replacements or additional? Additional yeah. bilge pumps. Well, that's quite. That's a thorough that's, recondition. That's good. Yes, yeah. that's a lot of money too, yeah. Yeah. and and a lot of time spent finding the right person to do it because right. I was on the move. Right, I was on the move, which meant I had to arrive in a port, work out who's who, uh, make sure they weren't going to rip me off, uh, get them to do the job, and and then and then I couldn't go back to them if something went wrong. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, so that was a bit nerve wracking. It'd be nice to have done it all in one place. So. This was as part part of your shakedown cruise, was yeah, d- yes, doing this in a way installation yeah. and yeah. The the real was, start were you, line. Were you solo on this part of it, or did you no? No, at the beginning I uh, had my wife for a couple of weeks, and we did the romantic uh, Greek island thing, and that was wonderful. And then my eldest son came, yeah. and my wife went home, and uh, he was uh, with me to, uh, until um, Sicily. Uh, so I had a sort of fly-in, fly-out crew arrangement. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I had crew with me until uh, the Canary Islands, which was kind of the starting line. That was the point where right. I said, everything's got to be fitted and has to be working. And were there any delays to, to your schedule at this point? Or it all, it yeah, all worked the, pretty seamlessly? the delays, weather, weather had, yeah. uh, had caused a delay uh, near the beginning we had what the, what they now call the medicane putting <laughs> yes. our mediterranean hurricane together yeah. in one word uh and there was some very nasty weather which i was fortunately able to ride out in some cozy little um fishing ports um, <laughs> but uh, other people uh, were not so lucky now what, what time of year was this this would have been october so that's just a year ago yes a little, a little more mm. yeah well, that must be nice sailing with your family on on your new boat. Very, it was great. Uh, yeah. yeah, I was yeah. very lucky, very very you know blessed to be yeah. able to do that. And they approved of your choice. They they. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Everybody was behind you. That's great. And so from the Canaries, you soloed for a while. Yeah. Well, just the one solo uh, stage. I went from the Canary Islands to Antigua which was 22 days yeah. alone yeah. Uh, with the beautiful um, trade winds uh, behind me the whole way. Sweet. Mm, it was very sweet, yeah. yes. Now, how, how did uh, that, because that was your dream, right? You were going to yeah. solo. Across an ocean. Yeah. Mm. So I could tick that one off. Yeah. So the solo part was in the past. That was, that's all I needed to do to feel good. Uh, yeah. The rest of the trip I just planned to do with, um, with other people. So what, how was your experience of solo? Um, 
I think a lot of the stress and effort was actually getting to the start line. Yeah. As I, as I was uh, discussing before, I think once I'd actually uh, set off, uh, things became very comfortable. Right. I sat back and really put my feet up. Yeah. Um, the weather for that leg is at that time of year very predictable and pleasant. Um, I did lose a uh, Jenica at two o'clock in the morning. I, I woke up one night and wondered why we were only doing two knots, <laughs> yeah. uh, one and a half or something. And I looked up through the through the window um, in the saloon, and I couldn't see that spinnaker that I'd been seeing up there right. for the last four days. And so I went up on deck into the cockpit, and behind the boat was in the water was what looked like a giant uh, multicolored whale <laughs> but it was actually my spinnaker right. uh, and it was a real mess yeah. around uh, the, um, around the rudder and around different staunchions mm-hmm. and, and a shackle halyard shackle mm-hmm. had not, not not broken it had simply opened up okay. it was a snap shackle and I think we all have to be careful about snap shackles some people right. say um, so they don't trust them anymore yeah, yeah. Uh, because they will sometimes just decide to open up yeah. Um, so that was about a good hour of, of, mm. of tugging and pulling, and I thought I'd lose the sail. I thought I'd hear the, the, the ripping sound, mm. um, but I was able to get it all back on board wow. without any damage. Now, were Luckily, you, you travelling at any speed at this point? Or? Um, well, like I say, that's sort of one and a half knots. Yeah, yeah. Um, and well, uh, occasionally a little gust of wind would get part of the spinnaker when it got above the water and it was like a uh, like a pilot trying to recover his um his parachute yeah. his strong breeze <laughs> now was there so, a lot of traffic around or no no traffic whatsoever so this was a very popular route in the in days gone by with the sailing ships yeah. uh, they would all have been moving along here but uh, in this day and age there's no real need for a commercial uh, ship to go along that course, and right. so I went. Good, I think I went 15 days without seeing any sign whatsoever. Even on the uh, chart plotter, even AIS and, and radar, really? it's just nothing. Yeah, it's, it's, a, oh, it's a very empty sea. That's yeah. a luxury, really. I mean, because I know. I mean, I've never crossed an ocean by myself, but I've spent some time, you know, on watch at night and everything, and mm. just that feeling of of nothing but empty horizon and. Nothing, you know, just the stars and the moon. And Whereas in the Mediterranean, we had to be on our toes. Yes, yes. There was something there. But, however, there is, a, there is an exception there. One night, um, I see a blip on the AIS on the, on the chart plotter, and I think, oh, what's that? And, of course, with these chart plotters, you, you put your finger on, the, on that object, yeah. and up comes a little uh, screen with the details. And uh, the details begin with vessel type. So I'm classified as a sailing vessel, and a great big cargo ship is called a cargo ship. Uh, and then it gives the dimensions. So I looked at this, and it said vessel type was pleasure craft, and the length was eight meters, and it was doing about two point two knots mm. in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. What? What the hell is that? <laughs> and I really scratched my head, and I thought oh, maybe I should alter course and go a bit closer to this target and try and see for myself what it is. But then I thought, oh, no, no, I'm on my own. I'd be too inquisitive, and that was a bit off, off my course. So I just kept going and just kept scratching my head and wondering what it was. And then a few days later, uh, a friend of mine on satellite phone 
text messaging said, by the way, do you know that the transatlantic rowing race <laughs> is on at the moment? The, and there were 40 of these rowers going across. And this particular one that I'd seen before, British women, yep. who spent 30 days, 35 days perhaps, rowing across the Atlantic right. Ocean. So, you know, I thought I was mad and adventurous. But, uh, and these were these were a crew of four or something, right? These, uh, well, I think there were different categories. I think they had yeah. boats with six and boats okay. with four, boats oh with two, God. and there were men's teams and women's teams and some people representing countries. And The finishing point was Antigua for that race, and it was also the place where I went first, was Antigua, yeah. to, to yeah. the main port there. So I was actually able to join the party okay. <laughs> to be surrounded by these uh, cheering yeah. crowds welcoming Various well, rowers. Well, I remember we were we were in in contact when you were approaching Antigua. And you got caught up in there was the, the round island sailing uh, race was going on at the same time. I remember um, getting a text from you with your position, and I looked it up, and two boats ahead, like five miles ahead of you, and mm. a couple yep. behind you. And but it was it was I think it started in Martinique or something. Yes, it went around the all the islands. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So did you talk to these women? Did you? Uh, no, no, I, sh- I should have. I should have. Yeah. I should have uh, got on the radio. Yeah. Um, oh, I mean, when you when you're in Antigua, did you meet them? And, no, no, I, uh, I wanted to. I, I went and met the the family who were ready to okay. to meet them, who were there yeah. to meet them, and chatted with them. But I really had just had to get out of Antigua before they arrived. Right, right, so I right. missed that. So how did you do for food and drink and all that? Were you um, um, your provision? Oh, it was really quite easy. We were only feeding for one. Yeah. Uh, and the Canary Islands, I was in um, right. uh, Las Palmas, yes. and uh, they have supermarkets that are near the ports and near the marinas where the transatlantic yachties right. stop. Yeah, yeah. So they're actually very well stocked with uh, long-life food and with yeah. small long-life containers of this and that. And it was really quite easy to, to stock up on uh, on food that uh, lasted well. Um, I could have meat for the first uh, few days. Uh, I could have some uh, fruit for a bit longer and then there were some veggies that lasted even longer. Of course, eggs last the whole time. Right. I, I can't actually remember exactly what I was eating all the time, yeah. but uh, it was surprisingly easy. Oh, you weren't living on chips in the muesli bars? No, yeah. no. Excellent. No. Now, um, were you fishing? I was fishing. I tried a little bit. Fishing's not my thing. Yeah. And I've always been a little bit ashamed of my poor fishing skills. But then I did <laughs> yeah. hear a podcast, uh, elderly couple who'd spent six years sailing around the world. Right. And they said that in those six years, they had caught two fish. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, okay, I'm probably not so bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I've had crew that are very good yeah. at fishing. And uh, that has probably made up for it. Yeah. Now, in the Atlantic, I was finding uh, seaweed getting caught mm. on the lure all the mm. time. Mm. Um, and that was my that was my problem with fishing. Well, I'm still skeptical that there's actually such a skill as fishing. You know, I always yeah. thought it was mostly luck, but... As yeah, you say, some and, people are better at it than others. Yeah, I think you're quite right. It's not such a yeah, not a skill as such, but there's a bit of uh, patience. Uh, yeah. There's that willingness to methodically put you set things up, cast them the right way. Be patient. When you do catch a fish, you bring it in. You, you then carefully set things up again, recast properly. I think that's what it's all about. Right. It's just a bit of dedication. 
w- once you left the Canaries, where was your next stop? Was that Antigua? Yes. Okay. Well, that's a, yeah, that's a long haul. That was 22 days. Yeah. And you sail south first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some people stop at the uh, Cape Verde Islands, right. uh, which are off Africa there. Yeah. Um, but I decided to just sail close to them and then swing uh-huh. out into the ocean. Yeah. And way back in Columbus's day, they they would ever since those days, people have said you to cross the Atlantic to get favourable winds crossing the Atlantic. The secret is to sail south until the butter melts. <laughs> yes, I was going and to then ask you. And then you turn right, yeah, uh, which is exactly what I did, minus the <laughs> butter, um, and it worked really well. Did you have any moments of, of doubt or, or no. concern in, in all this, or you were just you were happy as a clam? No, along, yeah. I think any any doubts came from money. Actually, I think um, <laughs> I was in Gibraltar, and uh, some technician said you need a new such and such, and that'll be um, eleven hundred dollars. Yeah. And uh, I just just said, that's it, I'm going, I'm going home. <laughs> um, but uh, actually on the water, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's always, it, I've always looked forward to, the, I always look forward to the next day. I see those very dramatic shots of Ellen MacArthur, uh, the, the British um, yeah, yeah. sailor, you know, cracking up and going into these terrible emotional right. burnouts yeah, that yeah. she would do in front of the camera. Yeah. And I'd think, oh, the poor woman. And yet, um, I know I wasn't uh, trying to break world records or anything, but I just had nothing remotely like that. I really, I mean, I've got a lot of respect for Ellen MacArthur, but one of her problems often was that she was going to run out of diesel because she had a generators running 24-7 to... Um, to keep that trimaran going. Yeah, yeah. Amazing, yeah. Because yeah. she used to, she would go to sleep and her crew back in the UK would monitor her and monitor her radar and all her instruments, oh, and because, especially in the Southern Ocean. And they would wake her up they would, if, the, if there was like an iceberg right. uh, showing up on the radar. They would wake her right. and say, oh, you've got, to, you've got to turn, you know, five degrees to port or something. Right. Ah, uh, that sounds like a bit of cheating. Um, well, you know. Yes, whatever. Whatever it takes, I'm sure. The, 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 it was controversial. Mm. Yes. But so, yes, having yeah. being being a sailor, yeah, the idea of sailing and yet requiring a motor to sail is yeah. uh, it's a bit unfortunate, isn't it? Well, you know, well, there, well, there, there was a, there, there was a French, I think it was Francis Joyon, something like that. It was the guy who did a he went around and broke her record um, using renewables only. He was like a um, but at the time that she was doing it, there wasn't the technology wasn't quite mm. there, so. Hmm. She did. She was remarkable. She was quite oh, absolutely. She, she yeah, just yeah. she beat all the men at yeah. their own game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She held the record for what, about three months, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Someone else broke it. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> the, now you never thought about going going all the way and and going around Cape Horn or anything like that, did you? Oh no, 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 not that way. No, uh, maybe in another year or another time or another yeah. adventure, but uh, certainly not. I think <laughs> the Caribbean and Colombia and, and the Panama were also very interesting, mm. attractive places uh, and, and you, that I wouldn't have wanted to meet, miss. You stopped off in Ecuador, was it? Yes, that was one of my stop-offs. That was a bit of a, uh, a detour. You you had a history with Ecuador or something? Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, 30 years ago, I lived in the city of Guayaquil for mm. six months mm. and um, had a wonderful time and uh, through uh, correspondence and Facebook and whatnot I um, had kept in touch with some of the people there and I really wanted to uh, get back and 
see it all again. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And how and was that? That was, uh, it was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, I sailed down, Sean and I sailed down from um, Panama, bypassed Colombia, and then we'd had five days of glassy water, no mm. wind, and we were running out of fuel, and we wanted to pull into a port, but we were able to work out through satellite phone texting with another son back here in Australia that that port was considered a danger area by the Australian Department of Foreign Affairs, hmm. uh, lots of gang warfares and kidnappings uh, and to be avoided. But we had no fuel and we had to go in there. Where was this? Uh, this was Esmeraldas, okay. which is um, the northern part of the Ecuador coast near the, near the border right. with Colombia. Um, so we went in there and, of course, everybody was friendly and it was um, very, seemed to be quite nice. We did have a lot of bureaucracy to deal with and they didn't actually have a fuel dock. If you wanted to get diesel, it had to be siphoned into a jerry can and the jerry can had to be carried onto the boat. Okay. Um, which was quite odd. And then the locals would siphon fuel with their mouths. Okay. Um, so I quite often see see them spitting out the fuel. Mm. Um, and that was quite, quite disconcerting. <laughs> um, so that was a bit of an adventure. And, of course, no other yachts went into that port. So we had quite a few people gathering around and, and staring and um, wondering yeah. what we were doing there. Right. But it was further south, uh, which is where my friends were and where it's a little bit more, um, more well-trodden. Yeah. And it was very pleasant um, Salinas, further south. Ecuador's so, lovely, lovely country. How much elapsed time was, was this from your starting point to when you got when you sort of went to, uh, ashore in Ecuador for a while? So, if I left uh, Greece in late September, uh, this was probably March, and then we went from there to, to the Galapagos Islands. Okay, so you'd settled right in. Yeah, and the boat became part of me, and I yeah. became part of the boat. So, how, how did you find the, the Caribbean? Were you? Did you have a? Oh, the Caribbean was yeah. uh, was lovely. Uh, we did Antigua, and then up to St. Martin's, British Virgin Islands, yep. uh, American Virgin Islands, yeah. and then we sailed from there diagonally straight across the the open, empty area of the Caribbean in the middle, yeah. uh, diagonally down to Cartagena. Okay, uh, which is on the on the north coast of Colombia. Then you came back up to um, to Panama. Yes. Yeah. Cartagena yeah. uh, to some islands and then across to Panama. So that's a big expanse of water right there. You, you really were putting in some miles. Yes. Yeah. Do, I do think you, from the from the Virgin Islands across to Cartagena was uh, quite a lot. That was eight days, I think. Yeah. Sean and I were on board. And it's interesting that just off Cartagena, there is what appears to be uh, a permanent stationary storm. So when you look at the Jupiter, the surface of Jupiter, you can see that little right. brown circle. Yeah. Apparently, I'm told that that's a permanent storm that's just whizzing around there that's been there for hundreds of years. <laughs> so if you look on a, uh, a wind map, of the Caribbean and, and South America, you can see that just north of Cartagena there for several months of the year, every year is this storm, oh, okay. really quite nasty storm. 
and we had to pass through that. Ah. I didn't want to skip Cartagena, mm-hmm. so I, we figured we're just going to have to go through it, and uh, at least the wind was going in a favourable direction, so we just battened the hatches and uh, got through that. And then just before we entered Cartagena, it just all stopped. Right, okay. Yeah, Yeah, we were covering a lot of ground, and we were also uh, having those little (coughs) encounters like that. Right. And then you still had the Pacific in front of you. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it's pretty big. Yeah, and that's that's mostly water. (laughs) It is. (laughs) There's not a lot of islands. We were told it it would be the highlight. As people said, that after the Mediterranean and the Caribbean, the Pacific is the best. Right. Oh, I, don't, I don't know, but uh, it certainly um, we were certainly looking forward to it. I'm yeah. dreading it. And where did you when you came out of the canal? You went. Uh, that's when you went south to Ecuador. Yes. And then from there to Galapagos. Yes. Now is that tricky? I've, I've always heard that you had to book ahead to go to to Galapagos. Yes. And, yes. So you, it's, it's time and money and and lots of paperwork. Yeah. And uh, they certainly make it difficult. For, for yachties. Right. Is it, is it well looked after? Galapagos? I think so. I yeah. think so. It's part of Ecuador and yeah. there's, a, there's a, the normal sort of Latin American bureaucracy that you've got to deal with, but right. uh, it does seem to be basically doing its job. This podcast is sponsored by Caribbean Sailing Coach. Based in the British Virgin Islands, they offer private lessons ranging from a one-day docking clinic on your own boat to a week-long island hopping charter on a monohull or catamaran of your choice. So whether you plan to sail halfway around the world or just reduce your anxiety when backing into a slip, they can help. Go to CaribbeanSailingCoach.com to find out more. Okay, friends, that's it for today. Uh, Thank you for listening. If you want to check us out on the web, we're at Smarter Charter Guides, that's guide, got an S on the end, dot com, or Facebook.